Welcome everybody to part three of this four-part series. I would like to recommend that anybody just joining us uh, goes back and listens to the first two episodes of this series, as there will not be time for a uh, large recap. Last week, we talked about some of the governmental policies that helped influence and protect Christian interests during Japanese internment. This week, we'll look at what theological themes that these Christians used during their ministries. Now, the Bible was perfectly suited to provide themes that would appeal to Japanese Americans and match the Christian group's goal of replacing traditional Japanese American authority. In order to be theologically appealing, Christians needed to create sermons that stressed the injustice of internment while also promoting passivity to appease the government. While this did coincide with the dominant Japanese-American organization, Jackal, in their promotion of non-resistance, it reframed passive acceptance as the proper biblical response to injustice. In other words, the American Christian leaders began to claim that non-resistance was the preferred response to internment because it was a call from God, not because it was a call from the ethnic community. The pro- most prominent outlet for this message was visiting ministers in church newspapers. During internment, the prominent preacher, Stanley Jones, traveled the country visiting several of the internment camps to preach to Christian internees. On one trip, he claimed that after the war, the Japanese Americans would lead a would lead all of America in a national religious revival and asked the internees to see themselves as pioneers. Jones' message is designed to give hope to the internees while simultaneously framing their sufferings as a godly mission and thereby connecting them to the national Christian community. When he used the imagery of a pioneer, it conferred to the Japanese Americans an image traditional to the psyche of America while also implying that their sufferings inside the camps were inherently similar to American pioneers of the past. Now, the traditional image of a pioneer is that while their sufferings are high, they tough it out through determination and perseverance so that their descendants might have a brighter future. Therefore, this sermon implies that each internee should persevere so that they might benefit in the future, not just for themselves, but for the religious community. Central to this theme is the conception by most Americans since the birth of the Western frontier that pioneers were doing God's work, which was most famously summarized 100 years earlier by John Sullivan's Manifest Destiny. Various accounts by American theologians since then have continued to see God's providence as being in lockstep with American expansion and exceptionalism. According to Stanley Jones' metaphor, then, internment was not a rejection by American society. Instead, it was proof that the Japanese Americans were already well on their way to becoming full members of American society, and that this process was to be executed through a spiritual renaissance, spearheaded by the Japanese Americans and the church. Importantly, the community being discussed in this is a national religious community, not the Japanese ethnic community. 
In other words, this sermon is a calling for Japanese Americans to see themselves as a member of the Christian faith first and to suffer so that their spiritual brethren might be benefited in the future. This is actually very similar to Jackal's position that non-resistance would be better for the community's economic and social prospects after the war. But Stanley Jones spun that message focused on the betterment of the ethnic community into one based on the Bible and focused on a religious community. The camp churches promoted the same underlying themes witnessed in Stanley Jones' sermons, usually through camp newspapers. One example is in the Poston Church newspaper in which the author submitted a recreation of Psalm 121 titled Lift Up Thine Eyes. Christians traditionally interpret Psalm 121 as a call to look towards God for salvation and not to worry too much about worldly issues. By replacing the Israelites with Japanese Americans and therefore the mountains of Israel with the deserts of Poston, the new psalm implies that internees should focus on God rather than issues of internment. The connotations here are twofold. One, that the Bible supports passivity towards worldly events, and two, that internees should look to God in times of crisis. This poem consequently suggests to the reader that it is better to focus on the godly Christian community and its goals rather than their secular, traditional community because the issues of the spiritual are of greater importance. One issue earlier, the Boston Church newspaper discussed a parable of a man who was on his deathbed from war. More than anything else, he wished for one more chance to repent and be with his family. Upon a simple reading, this poem suggests that Christians were promoting the importance of family traditional ties. However, this poem is filled with religious terminology, and underlying this message of familial loyalty is a call for repentance before it is too late. While it does exalt family ties to a degree, it also describes how the man regretted all of the meaningless thoughts and actions he had now that he saw that the spiritual world was much more important than the physical one. It praises family ties again further in the article, but it argues that the reader should rejoice because these family ties will last forever in heaven. Therefore, it is the belief in God by which permanent family ties are possible. The full message, then, is that since a belief in God is the first principle with which sustained family relationships depend, concerns of the spiritual, and therefore the church, are naturally superior superior to that of the family and ethnic community. The larger message in this article again puts the internee's relationship with Jesus, and therefore the church, as the primary relationship for internees to build. This article, in effect, calls for the thoughts towards the promotion of the ethnic community meaningless in comparison to thoughts towards their Christian brethren. In the same newspaper issue, the church goes on to explain, in another essay, that Jesus will end all the chaos and bloodshed in this world and that people attempting to increase their earthly power had created the conditions for war. 
Based on the context of this essay, it would naturally imply to the Japanese Americans that when the war eventually ends, it will be because Jesus saved them, and more importantly, that secular leaders were the cause of World War II. The church, therefore, is arguing that secular leaders will ultimately drive the world into chaos, whereas Jesus, and therefore the church, will save them from these types of events. The direct implication of this refers to World War II and the corresponding political leaders, but it also suggests that Japanese Americans should be cautious of all secular leaderships, including their own traditional structures. The church at Poston was far from alone, and Manzanar newspaper continued this theme of refocusing the Japanese Americans from traditional communities towards the church. In this article, various poems are exhibited, all showing a shared characteristic, a call to find comfort in Jesus during their roughest days. In one example, a 13-year-old internee named Fumi Maeda penned a letter that was submitted to and accepted by the church newspaper outlet. While this poem and the others in this edition were written by members of the congregation rather than church leaders themselves, the church leaders did decide which entries were selected to appear in the newspaper and inevitably chose poems that corresponded with the goals and beliefs of the church. Maeda's poem is as follows. Christ is my Savior, my strength and comforter. When I am sad, his words cheer me. Through his daily vacation Bible school, I have come closer to him. The inclusion of these poems acts as a call to their readers to look towards Jesus and therefore his spiritual representatives, such as the church, instead of dwelling in misery and looking towards their traditional support structures within the ethnic community. Maeda's poem also makes the explicit assertion that the avenue to this empowered sense of security in Jesus comes through the church, specifically the Daily Vacation Bible School. Finally, in another newspaper, this time from the Granada camp, several famous church leaders are compared to Jesus in that they all sacrificed their lives for the good of their corresponding people. The connotations were twofold. For one, it is a direct comparison, again connecting the church to Jesus, by placing the spiritual totality of the church as equal in some way to God. This comparison furthered the above implication that to focus on God required a focus on the church. Secondly, it also implied that the Japanese Americans are the church leaders' faithful people. And since half of these leaders mentioned are Caucasian, it shows the internees that they are part of a multi-ethnic church community based on Christianity rather than ethnicity. All right, everybody, that's it for this time. Uh, we'll be back one more time next week for... Uh, an analysis on the secular roles that these ministries played and a quick conclusion.